Does everybody know what time it is? I don't want to know what time it is. I hate you. This whole podcast is dumb. That's right. It is. Grunt work. dolls and I like cookies and I like stunting while I'm biking. I like riding on my wheels in the house bitch I'm liking. I like holy matrimony the ones that don't break up. I like doing what I want to so put that cocoa in my cup. I like screaming and demeaning when they try to tell me no. I like getting what I want so now bow and just could toe. They call us grunt work the only podcast about the TV show Home Improvement that sets and sticks by our boundaries so hard that we need a DMZ. I am Landon. I forgot to do nickname Solano, joined always by Truman, who never forgets anything caps. Oh, Truman, Landon. it's good to see you. It's good to see you too, Landon. You evidently uh, do forget the fact that I frequently forget nicknames, uh, or <laughs> if not nicknames, then titles, or even I forget the things that I've forgotten. Um, you had perhaps another life as Weird Al, or as one of Weird Al's competitors who was mysteriously murdered by Weird Al to uh, prevent them from usurping him, because your your song parody writing is is on track, even if your remembering of nicknames is not. Uh, you know, I, we, I haven't done a lot of modern stuff. I felt like it was time to just get some Cardi B in here. Yeah, I, no, listen, It's it's been long past time that we get some Cardi B in here. You know, that house <laughs> from the WAP video uh, could use some improvement, you know? I, I think that, uh, I mean, it, it just imagine Tim and Al going over there to just, because like all the- <laughs> No the comment hallway, on any of this. The hallways are kind of at odd angles, you know? Like, uh, <laughs> it, it, just need, it just needs some work. Uh, just no like, uh, just like Richard Karn in that train video, uh, for the cover of, uh, Careless Whisper. Um, if Richard Karn had shown up in the WAP video, I think pop culture would have collapsed on itself. <laughs> Listen, you know what it would have done? It would have driven a lot more listeners to our podcast and they would have been very disappointed by how not sexy it is. <laughs> this is uh, a dap for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, yeah, it is. And the you know what, and I'm trying to think of more jokes that I can do in that area and I'm realizing they're not going to make anybody happy and they're not going to uh they're not going to lead to the longevity or non-cancellation of this podcast or the people <laughs> on it. So, uh, yes. home improvement, won't you? We watched it on uh, this week. Do I week. have to? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh I don't have a, a preamble this week. Um all of my home improvement uh, projects are kind of on pause um, while I wait for a, a, a I'm on a bit of a spending freeze um, mm. just kind of in solidarity not spending money outside of groceries uh, this month um, mm-hmm. so as soon as I do I'm gonna here here's something I, I'm gonna I, I'm re- I'm watching YouTube videos about this so yeah. I, I talked a little bit about the shelves that I want to install uh, that what I want to do requires customization. So I have to go buy lumber and have it cut to size. They don't do precision sawing at Home Depot, so I got to bring it back, and I either have to cut it or sand it down to the size I want. Yeah. Um, I'm going to have to get into staining. Oh. And 
the puddles and the, stains. That's your whole life now. All of the intricacies that come with staining. The problem is I I'm kind of stuck here because mm. I need I want to finish these shelves. They, it's like my heart is calling out for them. I want to put my books up. I want to look at something pleasant every day, mm-hmm. but because of all these puddle incidents. I I really need a water softener, and I, we've yeah. talked about this before. So still don't know what and, it is, and I I need it's it gets rid of the the hard water, the mineral buildup and everything that that corrodes your pipes and you know leaves streaks on your your shower door and you know all that crap. Okay, okay, it's hard water doing that. Okay, maybe I need one of these water softeners too. <laughs> well, if your building to doesn't have door. one, that's on your landlord. Yeah, uh, well. Lots of stuff is on him. Okay, so you need one of these, <laughs> one of these water softener things. That's that's why all my my hoses to my faucets are they're getting clogged with this this mineral buildup. I need, and it's you know like it's blowing out the O rings on them, and mm. uh, <laughs> I have to like replace these faucets. I on my third faucet, I have to replace in this house since I bought it in less than a year. Wait, and what? Okay, that's. That's nuts. That's a well, I mean, huge they're, amount they're, of. They're twenty year old faucets that have never had a water softener, so I understand why the hoses are all going. It just they're happening to go all at once. So, <laughs> like, in order to avoid further issue, like heaven forbid it happens to any of the the more important pipes, I I have no idea what's happening inside of the like the main pipes. <laughs> so, I need to get this water softener, and it costs a lot of money. The other thing is, I need the gas valve on my water heater is broken. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> feel so, like you want to be able to monitor the gas levels in your house just generally. Yeah, I think I've mentioned good. before, my the temperature of my water is like freezing cold or lawsuit. And mm-hmm. the what I've noticed when I make my coffee in the morning, I have a, a kettle that I you know boil the water in. The hard water when you boil it calcifies faster so when i like i pour my water into my my french press and then i look inside the kettle and like the water over two or three days like has turned into like this this i don't know uh what's the flint ish like slate ish water that has these big chunks of minerals in it so I'm worried that because I don't have a gas valve that works and I'm only pumping super hot water through the pipes, it's calcifying the water that's coming through them faster because I don't have a water softener. So I'm like, my heart is pulsating that I might have a huge issue on my hands uh, bigger than I realize and sooner than I realize. Do you ever kind of feel like you're Scotty on the Starship Enterprise and you're trying to like explain to the captain how the like the the stuff that he's doing is going to break the ship into but no nobody will listen. Like this is kind different. of like and natural like but that's all happening inside you. Like one part of you is going like we the the pipes are going to be fucked in new and bold ways and this other part of you is like we can't spend money this month, Scotty. Just make it work. I, uh, that that's a great analogy. I didn't feel that way till right now, but that, yes, I that, do feel that way. I'm I'm glad I can give you new ways to contextualize your anxiety. Um, <laughs> also, but like, what if like the what if all the minerals are actually giving you super strong bones though? Like, what if you wind up missing the minerals when they're gone? 
I'm just saying. <laughs> I listen. I will. I will take a Jello body if it means that it's not going to flood my basement and put mold in my walls. Uh, I mean, you know, Jello has plenty of molds, so you might still have that in your life if you have a Jello body. That's comedy. Fair. Fair point. <laughs> yeah. Well. Um. That's. I mean, I'm trying to think. Did anything? Uh. I. I don't know. My parents are house sitting for me soon because I'm about to go to Italy, and I had to write a 15 page guide to staying in my apartment, which is mainly, hey, this thing is broken, and we don't know how to fix it. So there's that. Hey, the water damage in here looks like a George O'Keefe painting. Take a look at that. You know, just like kind of <laughs> listing all of the broken shit that we can't fix that yeah. is not going to get fixed, and explaining to my parents who live in a very nice house that is very well kept and put together and maintained that, hey, you know, the cool thing about staying in L.A. for free for two weeks is that it doesn't cost you anything, and the downside is that this apartment kind of sucks. So, uh, <laughs> you know, you are you are thinking about disasters that you don't know about that might be happening, and I am trying to write uh, in detail about the disasters that have happened and are happening uh, so that my parents know what to deal with. In a way, we're both Scotty. Yeah, true. And my middle name is Scott, and I actually was called Scotty for much of my childhood, so I'm actually more Scotty than you. <laughs> well, I didn't... <laughs> I, feel, I feel a little bamboozled here. I mean, you, you, you stuck me into a competition and then just... <laughs> that I didn't realize I was entering into, and then you just laid the death blow on me. I, I, I'm, I'm sorry that 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 was very, that was very hostile of me. Our friendship can't take much more of this, Captain. <laughs> Truman, we watched an episode of Home Improvement this week. Can you tell yes, us what happened? Do. Yes, I can. This week, Marty and his daughters are still living with the Taylors while he and his wife are separated. And lately, Marty's been letting his daughter Claire call all the shots. When Claire's tantrums and entitled antics start getting out of control, Jill insists that Marty get past his guilt over the separation and start imposing rules and boundaries on his girls. Marty is angry and defiant, but with some help from Tim, he learns how to wait out a tantrum like a pro. Yeah, so, you know, not haikus, but uh, I think that's what happened. But That's a, my take. A, a, a nice enough synopsis, I appreciate that. Truman, do you want to guess the title of this episode? Yes, three options. First option, Kay. I have no cookie and I must scream. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, second one, the Spice Girls must flow. Ooh, I forgot there's Spice Girls in this episode. Yeah, well, now... We're, we're stepping uh, one one step closer to Austin Powers every episode. Oh, my God. it's get, you, you, can, you can feel it. You can feel it sooner. There, there's a lot of pop culture references in this episode specifically, and you can kind yeah. of feel us inching closer to... to Somebody asking if we make them horny. Uh, last option is Ant Misbehaven. <laughs> they're, they're, now, now it would be better if Aunt Jill were misbehaving. The, yeah. The, the, each word in the title refers to a separate concept. Yeah. There is an right. aunt, and she is upset about kids misbehaving. Uh, but... You know what? I appreciate that title. Uh quite a lot i i was a stagehand for the fats waller review of uh ain't misbehaving back in the day oh, so okay okay uh, it's a reference that's close to my heart oh well gosh if i was trying to if i was trying to get you with theater references i would have found a way to work noises off into this but uh that's great <laughs> I'm, I'm glad i've got another another way in um, um this title is one of the best that we have i think and i oh, i want to give you a shot at trying to guess it okay 
Um, uh, I, I, but I need you to put your like your your a list pants on. <laughs> I, you know, Landon. Normally it's sweatpants or gym shorts, but today I actually am wearing a pair of jeans, which is and these are my a list pants. These are the ones I wear to most. Okay, things. then you're ready All already. Right. Okay. Oh, good. Great. All right. Well, I haven't been achieving at that level yet. I was wearing these pants when I wrote the ex- the three titles that are not it. Uh, okay. Okay. But, yeah. Here's your clue. Yeah. The title is a play on a very popular uh, uh, charity service done at Christmas time. Okay. I know that the charity service is Toys for Tots. So now I'm just going to think. It's like it's like toys for rules for tots, not boundaries for tots. It's not. Uh, I I I'm so, I'm sorry. I can't. I all right. Uh, all right. It, this is killing me. It's okay. It's killing me. Okay. I wanted I wanted to just give you an opportunity. Uh, because you know what I. I hope you don't feel like a failure. I was really trying to give you the opportunity to like feel the absolute joy if you had got this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I there's there's no shame in not getting it because it is wow. a little tricky. But okay, okay. The title is "Ploys for Tots." <sighs> wow, A plus home improvement. Oh my god. Oh, that is. The same way in the last episode, learning that that was the last time we'd see JTT, like, deflated yeah. me and, and took away from my soul. That title has rekindled fires within me that I thought had long since been dormant. Not in a sexy way, just in a, like, passion for life and, and joie de vivre. Wow. That's really good. Oh, yeah. man. Ploys for tots. Mm. Good. Good title. Good title. Okay. <laughs> you can chew on, chew on that for a second while I go into this. Uh, Ploys for Tots aired on December 15th, 1998, directed by Peter Bonners, who's done the bulk of the season. And it's written by all-star writer Laurie Gelman. Truman, how did you feel about this episode? It's all right. You know, <laughs> uh, it's there. I I enjoyed uh, I, I I am enjoying, and I talked about this last week too. The the continued presence of Marty and his daughters, just having that arc, having the the fact that it's shaken up the status quo of the show in a major way. And I wish that they, you know, had tried experimenting with throwing new people into the mix sooner. Um, this is also an episode about very real issues, which I like. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I don't think the episode is um super funny. I and I don't think that it's I didn't really love the episode just in general, and I think, you know, we can discuss some of why that is, but I like that this is, on the one hand, yeah, Jill shouldn't be, you shouldn't get involved in how someone else is trying to raise his kids, but if that person is living in your house and their kids are fucking up your life, then yeah, it kind of is your place, but it's really tricky and thorny, and navigating that is hard, so I applaud them you know, going for that and having that as a plot instead of just like, ah, oh, but I don't want to go whitewater rafting. So what did you think? <laughs> right. Yeah, this, okay. Well, my first note, and I've, it's more harsh than I intended to be, but is, I'm just going to quote exactly word for word what I wrote, which is, okay, okay with these fucking twins, bro. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I, I suspect that's a little bit of your unspoken ambivalence about this episode. Yes. Um, 
I found the article that we talked about last week. Uh, it's from thethings.com. Uh, the title is Patricia Richardson's uh, relationship with Tim Allen soured when she decided to leave Home Improvement. Um, this is the article that mentions that they were considering writing Jill out of the show uh, due to contract negotiations uh, souring um, and that they might kill her off. And Tim Allen, to what you said, to his credit, said that he wouldn't do the show without her, which is great creative decision. Yeah. But. I wanted to bring that up because, as we mentioned last week, this really feels like, let's test these waters in a more robust way to see what the staying power of these characters would be long term. Mm-hmm. What if we center an episode around a conflict about this new family that's living in the Taylor house, and how does it change the dynamic of Tim and Jill and the boys uh you know, for the better, for the worst, for differently, is it mm-hmm. sustainable? Yeah. I really felt that in this episode. Yeah, th- th- I feel like they're trying to, yeah, it- it's trying to recapture some of the chaos, I think, of the early seasons that, I mean, the show still has chaos to it, but it's just not the same when there's not rambunctious kids running around and getting into things. Yeah. Um, well, what's interesting to something you said I can't remember if it was this week or last. <laughs> I know we're only 20 minutes into this episode, but my memory is is failing. We're recording uh, later than normal. Yes, I understand. Uh, <laughs> you had said something about um, the 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 idea that concepts just kind of stick to Tim Allen through his career, and he, yes. he revisits them a lot. So this this almost feels like okay. If we're going to continue the show, what if we did it with two girls instead of three boys? And when this didn't quite take off, it's not super surprising that Last Man Standing comes up and it's like, okay, what if Home Improvement, but with three girls instead? Um, yeah. It's it's a it's a topic revisited. Yeah, they knew what worked. They knew that it was it was family life and Tim Allen and like let's just what what aspects can we swap around and uh, experiment with to get somewhere new? Yeah. So um, that, those are my reflections. I think one of the most interesting things in television is when uh, a show does a kind of a backdoor pilot, you know, when they try mm-hmm. to test out for a spinoff or something, the Shroot Farms episode of The Office right. or, I, you know, just when they're, especially the ones that fail and don't go through, like the Shroot Farms episode of The Office, <laughs> where, uh, you know, the, there's something so kind of interesting about this potential universe and you can see them testing it out and like watching is a show going to happen here or not? Does this have mm-hmm. a chance? And yeah, I guess seeing that on a kind of season wide basis here has been, uh, I don't know. It's, uh, it, it's added something to the show, even if it's not always, uh, even if it doesn't always work. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I guess I didn't really weigh in on my feelings on this episode. I, I thought it was kind of interesting and kind of fun. Um, I, I'll never complain to have more Marty in my life. So Marty, uh, it, it's a trade-off having to to deal with the twins uh, to get more Marty, but um, I don't know. I, I like the the dynamic between Tim and Marty has never soured for me. I think yeah, they're always great. great episodes. It is a little strange to get a second Marty episode right after two episodes ago. We had the Thanksgiving episode about him, um, which is why I think it really feels like they're pushing in that direction, but mm-hmm. uh, I digress. I don't want to sound redundant here. Um, yeah. But yeah, Hard I, I kind of... I like the episode. Uh, I, I didn't love the episode. I probably won't remember the episode, but I had a good enough time watching it. There, uh, yeah, there is I, a sequence in it that I really, really enjoyed, but um, we'll get to that in due time. 
Okay, so should we start the process of uh, getting into things with the deep dive? I want to do the deep dive, and I want to do it now! <laughs> well, call J.G. Wentworth, I guess. <laughs> fall down a fall fall down a shoot. Uh, okay, we're starting out on t- tool time. What's happening? Yes. So the grunt creep demolishes a brick wall, taking us to tool time. This is twice in a row now. The grunt creep has um, basically directly greeted us and brought us into the show. <laughs> uh, Tim and Al uh, on tool time introduce a concept called the contracting game, where three general contractors are hidden from Tim by a divider, and he asks them questions, dating game style, to try and figure out which one of them he would want to hire to do a job. And after a bunch of questioning, Tim picks contractor number one, who is then upset to find out that there is not actually a job. Um, (laughs) Landon, when I watched this, I thought about you, because I feel like if you haven't already, you are at some point going to be a person who has to hire a contractor. And I wondered Mm. if this is, if any of these questions were sorts of things that you would have to, uh, you've had to deal with, or if you have firsthand experience with. Yeah, well, to, to circle back to our preamble uh there's a lot i want to get into home improvement uh sure. i, I spent well, doing the show <laughs> seven years, years doing it on the show i want to actually do the small h small i home improvement yeah. but i think any homeowner has to draw the line of realizing what's worth my time and what's worth hiring a pro mm-hmm. and i have two lines drawn for myself at least initially which is not going to get into heavy duty plumbing, like anything mm-hmm. that requires. I'm not going to install the water softener myself, uh, and electrical. So yeah. when I build my basement finally, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna put up all of the wall frames. I'm gonna do the drywall myself. Um, I'm gonna do the flooring myself, but I'm gonna have a pro come out to do the electrical because there's so many codes and stuff that you have mm-hmm. to abide by in terms of the wiring has to be a certain gauge has to be a certain point in the studs so that you know there's a, a standardization to it when you're so when you're drilling later you know okay this is roughly where the cord is if i drill a hole here i'm not going to hit electrical and electrocute myself or short circuit the place so I don't want to learn all that shit. <laughs> yeah. I, I Everyone I know who does home improvement stuff, including people who have done insane things like buy trucks so they can more effectively pick up lumber at the lumber yard. N- yeah. Not a, not, n- I'm at that None point. of them. You're, you're oh shit, are you going to go? I need a go? new car soon. And I'm like, yeah, it would be nice to not have a Ford Focus. And like, I have to get my, my boards cut for my shelves at Home Depot because I can't fit a 12 foot plank in my car. I look, I'm, I never thought that I would see the day where you get truck pilled, but okay, that's, that's, uh, I, my I first mean, car was a truck. Uh, okay. Well, I didn't see that day, Landon. I was in Oregon <laughs> at the time. Uh, I, but I, I don't I, I don't want one of the gas guzzlers. I mean, it's I don't necessarily want a truck. I want something that will be able to haul things a little bit more. You know, I could do that with a hatchback and I'll probably go with a, you know, an EV hatchback at some point. OK, OK. Well, that that I can get behind. I, all I'm all, all of this is just to say the most ambitious home improvement people I know, none of them will touch electric. Everyone is very willing <laughs> to hire an electrician. It seems yeah. like that is just protected knowledge that commoners cannot have. <laughs> um, yeah. But so 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 okay. You have not you have not played the contracting game yet. Did you like it when Tim well, played the contracting game? 
I don't know. I mean, I uh, the, here's how I played the contracting game because I had to get the new furnace. Is mm-hmm. I went downstairs, saw there's a puddle under my furnace, said, "Oh <laughs> shit, I need a new furnace," and looked at my furnace, and there was the phone number of the people who installed the furnace, and I called them, and they came and gave me a new furnace. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty good advertising. Print uh, print the phone number to get a new thing on the outside of the old broken thing. Yeah, exactly. So that uh, that I didn't shop around. I could have, but they gave me. I, I felt like they gave me an incredibly fair rate, so uh, I I didn't have to go through this rigmarole. I might have to you, for electrical. Yeah, you 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 would have shopped around, but it was winter and your furnace had just gone out, so you didn't really have a lot of time to be picky. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. I don't know. I based on what the contracting game is hinting at. By the way, I, I th- this is a funny concept. The idea of uh, yes. you know, uh, like the dating game, but it is for vetting people to come work on your house. My parents really enjoyed it. To, my parents are trying to get their bathroom redone right now, and they tell me a lot of stories about it. They're not always interesting stories, but Lord, they are stories. <laughs> and it, it seems like they have to, you have to do this anytime you're getting work done in your house. You have to talk to a bunch of people. Everybody's quoting wildly different rates. Yep. Uh, you know, you have no idea how long anything is going to take. And um, so this this comedy concept is very funny. Yeah, um, I agree. Also, also, I, I guess I've glossed over that when the sh- when the show starts, they come out and Tim introduces himself. And uh, then Al, when it's his turn to introduce himself, oh uh, get a new camera angle, runway music starts playing, Al kind of runway walks out up towards the camera, Toolman salutes, turns and walks back, and then explains to Tim, well, it's remodeling week. I've worn this shirt before, and now I'm remodeling it. Great. And he bursts out laughing. Heidi laughs, too. Love it, love it, love it. And Tim is just very stolid and, and silent and looks at the camera. Yep. No hissing. That's a plus. No hissing. I, I want to go back even one step before that. Oh. We get the grunt creep uh, right in front of a brick wall, uh, taking a sledgehammer to it and causing a bunch of dust, to which Heidi then has to wave her hands around to clear the dust from the air. Like we talked about last week, Heidi's yeah. interacting with the transitions. <laughs> so he- maybe Heidi is the only one who can see the grunt creep. The, like the grunt creep communicates <laughs> with her and only her. She's been oh cursed. <laughs> that's if that's the case, then the characters on Home Improvement need to really evaluate Heidi and just like, why is she waving a butt like she's swatting away bees before she introduces <laughs> the show? Tim's going. Ah, she inhales a whole lot of chemicals on the set of this thing. We're spraying all sorts of stuff. Oh my god! Uh, I, yeah, um, no, I love see, seeing the grunt creep holding a sledgehammer in front of a brick wall. I'm like, oh, are we getting Gallagher content now? Is the is the grunt creep going to do a tight five and smash a few watermelons? Um, here's one thing I love is yeah. we basically get to see uh, proto Richard Karn game show host. Mm, yes, yes. Because Tim's, yeah. Tim's the one that is in the, the dating game parody here. He's the, the person that's going to go on the date, and he's yeah. interviewing the three people. Uh, Richard Karn is playing the Chuck Woolery role, and he's the host of the show. Heidi's the one kind of walking up and holding the microphone to each contestant. Tim can't see them. Uh, yeah. He's only asking them the questions to, to determine which contractor he's going to go with for for 
how bad of an actor Al was, how apparently bad of an actor and evidently bad of an actor he was in the episode with Morgan Fairchild, he is so naturally suited to hosting a game show. Isn't I mean, he? because yeah, because game show hosting, I guess, is a you know a, a type of pitch manning when you really think about it. But uh, yeah, he's just, yeah, it, it's so good. He is so natural and so effortless. This may have been his backdoor pilot for uh, getting to host uh, game shows down the line. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, which he does very shortly after Home Improvement ends. Well, wait, what what show did he host? Was it Password? <laughs> Family Feud. Family Feud. Gotcha. Before Steve Harvey uh, dethroned yep. him, um, I think the there was even um, oh my god, I can't remember the actor's name. The guy who played Elaine's boss on Seinfeld, I think, was between the two of them. Oh, John O'Hurley was. Uh, he was. Wow, man. There, I didn't. I didn't realize there was such high turnover in the uh, Family Feud <laughs> hosting realm. Like how. Well, Steve Harvey's been on it for like 20 years now, so I mean, there was a lot of turnover quickly. I think Richard Karn, I think, did it for maybe five or six years, and then mm-hmm. uh, quickly over to the the next host, and then Steve Harvey came in. I, I mean, it's just like, I don't know, it's just a kind of a thankless job to precede Steve Harvey, who now is kind of synonymous with Family Feud. Yeah. It's, yeah. That's, it's bad. It's like... It's like that guy who played James Bond in a TV movie like three years before they made Doctor No. It's like nobody remembers him. (laughs) You've kind of put a new image in my head, though, of, you know, you get those Steve Harvey reactions. Yeah. uh, To just seeing Richard Karn doing the reaction from the look every time someone gives a kind of salacious answer. (laughs) Just not... Not flabbergasted, just shocked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, what's well, the kind of shocked look that he gives... I'm sorry, to, I keep talking about the Morgan Fairchild episode, but when she says, well, Al, if you would just kind of yes. open up and act more naturally, I could really passionately act with you. And Al just looking back at her kind of <laughs> shocked and and not understanding what she's saying and kind of scared by it would be his reaction to every yes. one of these. <laughs> oh. oh, my God. Um... Yeah, I, I so yeah, I don't I like uh I like all of the character actors. We'll do a character actor corner at the end. There's a lot of character actors in this episode. Oh, um good. but I love the uh the contractor who wins. Um <laughs> I, I mean, he he's got a fucking point. He he really spells it out for Tim. He's like, "I came here. I took a day off to come here hoping to get a new job. Not only did you rob me of today's work, but on the promise of potentially getting tens of thousand dollars of work for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and like, just, it, it's great. This is like one of the first times there's been actual consequences or, or anything like that for, for Tim on the show, short of like getting hurt. Like this is the first time someone's pointed right. out, Hey, the way you run this show is really just sort of irresponsible and disrespectful to everybody else's time. <laughs> uh, yeah, Tim tries to buy the guy off with a key ring that has a can opener on it, and he says, oh, that's good, because I'm about to open up a can of whoop-ass on the tool man, and I <laughs> I like it. I like it. It's long past I wish time. we hadn't gone to the theme song right after, but we did. Yeah, you know, if we'd had the theme song playing over footage of him chasing Tim around the tool time set and beating him, that would have been uh, that would have been neat. <laughs> and nice callback to George Foreman. Yeah, yes, oh, man. Yeah, well, you know, uh, Tim, Tim tries to escape up the stairs, but somebody's eaten them. Um... <laughs> So from the theme song, uh, we go back to the Taylor house. We do. Uh, where it's a birthday for Marty's daughters. And, uh, you know, uh, he 
everyone's giving them their gifts. Uh, Marty got them a couple of bikes. Brad and Mark got the girls a box of Legos. And uh, uh, Jill got them Spice Girls dolls. Uh, but um, one of them, and I'm trying to remember her name right now. I said it earlier. Uh, the bossy one. One of the twins? The, one of the twins. Claire. Uh, Claire's the bossy one in the episode. Claire. Uh, so Claire is unhappy that she got Sporty Spice because who she really wanted was Posh Spice, even though Jill specifically got Posh Spice for the other daughter, whose name I also don't remember, and Gracie. Uh, Gracie. And uh, because uh, because Claire is begging to get uh, Posh Spice, Marty makes them trade dolls, then goes off to work. Uh, and the girls go off upstairs to play with their dolls, and Jill expresses some uh, discomfort with the fact that Marty always lets Claire have her way, and that's going to be a big issue for the girls down the line, mm-hmm. developmentally. Um, I wasn't listening at all. Did you say they got bikes? I said they got bikes up front, yes. Okay, and good. thank okay, you for not good. listening. You're you're protecting those precious brain cells. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, uh, the, the daughter, the, the, the girls, they're still here, you know? They're, they're, they're still here. Still here. Um, okay, I'm not going to comment on that. I'm going to comment on something so periphery to this scene that uh, is to be missed, but a detail that I loved. Mm-hmm. Um, as they're opening their gifts, point out two episodes in a row where kids are opening gifts. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a lot. Mark is handing them the present that he and Brad got them, Legos. Want to hear your thoughts on that in a second. Oh. But as he's doing it, he hands them the gift with one hand. In the other hand, he's filming them with his camera. Oh, yeah. Yeah, making some home movies. Yeah. I just love I, that they're keeping that up for him. When when I first saw him holding the camera, when it was time for the them to give their gifts to the girls, I was like, is he giving the girls the camera? And then I realized, oh, no, he's filming with the camera, which was yes. good. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm glad he's, he's keeping up his interests, even if he's not making a horror film right now. Uh, okay, so Legos. Legos. With I, with big <laughs> air quotes around them. I mean, they I mean, they seem to be Legos. I mean, it's a it's like a, I think it's one of the blue boxes. Of, I mean, look, they're 90s Legos. What can I say? Um, yeah, they they you know, the girls see them and go, oh, Legos. But then they're more in, in, invested in the Spice Girls toys. And later Jill comes over to to Brad and Mark and says, hey, can you guys take the Legos upstairs to the girls? And Brad and Mark have already got a bunch of the Legos out and are playing with them. And Brad just looks up and goes, Mom, we're building a fort. <laughs> Which is great delivery. And then Jill yeah. says, excuse me, aren't you 17? And that really hurt me because right now I'm looking at the small Lego city just to the left of my desk. Um, <laughs> and I'm 34, twice the age of uh, Brad. So, you know, I, I feel a little attacked by this episode right now. <laughs> I, here's what I like, though, is that uh, even though they gave them dolls and are enamored by the dolls and gave them bikes, they had to be pink bikes i do like that they gave them legos yeah uh, and they weren't totally uninterested in them no that it, you know they were trying to dispel like oh what are we saying by only giving you know girls dolls and not you know giving them creative toys uh that cultivate their imaginations no i i, I like to see that i like to see that too that's kind of refreshing for a uh, for a 90s thing i mean they did give them bright pink toolboxes last time to get them acquainted right. with the idea of uh of building things right so you um, can have legos but they're all pink legos yeah <laughs> you can you can only build doilies and clouds and uh you know the only um and kitchens those are the only three things that we allow uh, the gumdrop kingdom from adventure time 
Oh, okay. Okay. You got me there. I mean, I guess I can look that up online to see what it looks like. Give me one second. <laughs> Let's see. Gumdrop Kingdom Adventure Time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's perfect. Yeah. Yeah, I'd build that out of Legos, out of girl Legos. I don't know. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. No, go. Well, there, there's one glaring thing that uh, we need to talk about with this scene and half the episode. Yes. Pussers. Pussers? Oh, yeah. The what the the beer shirt that Tim is wearing? It's a it's a yacht shirt, yachting shirt. Wait, it's a I, really. I'm sorry. I saw a name I didn't recognize and weird imagery, and I thought, oh, this must be some kind of craft brew beer. No, it's a yacht. Pussers Club West shirt? Indies yachting. Okay, so so not only is it yacht ownership, but also some colonialism too. That's like. That's a very bougie shirt for a man of the people hot rod enthusiast basic cable TV host. Welcome to the 90s. I feel like this was indicative of a lot of fashion at the time. Why isn't he wearing a big dog shirt? I'm sorry. If we're going <laughs> to be giving Tim graphic stuff to wear, Just... load us up on big dogs. <laughs> big dogs. No fear. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, no fear for Mark. Big dogs and big dogs only for Tim. There has never been a bigger wait, wait, dog. I, now I gotta look something up. I, I think I'm confusing big dog with something I used to wear, which is salty dog. Uh, what oh, is yeah. big dog fashion? Yeah, big dog. I'll, I'll look up salty dog because I've never heard of that. Okay. Oh, wait, uh, I just looked up big dog fashion and just see a bunch of big dogs in t-shirts. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Send me a link. <laughs> so, Podcast <laughs> over. <laughs> uh, big dog sportswear. Okay, let's check this out. Yeah, let's just see. Th- oh, this yeah, is, this pretty is good content, bland. right? Yeah, I see what you're saying. Okay. Yeah, listening to us Googling stuff. Yeah. St. Bernard. Okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm going to go back you know, to my other Google search of just big dogs in shirts. So Sometimes the St. Bernard is like dispensing some kind of kind of macho but wry life advice. Other times he's just like impersonating Arnold Schwarzenegger or James Bond. He's a cool guy, <laughs> this dog. Uh, yeah, I, so yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a scene <laughs> for sure. I just found one. This is Big Dogs, uh, the the brand you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one that actually came up in an image search was Bone Cold Steve Poston opened eh, yeah, up oh. a can of wolf ass. <laughs> He's got that can opener from Contractor Number One. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, oh man. Yeah. With yeah, Big Dogs. Attitude is everything. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Otherwise, from this scene, anything else? I mean. No, I mean it's. I'm shocked at the length of the scene. By the end of it, we're like, I don't know, more than a, we're almost a, we're like a third of the way through the episode by the end of the scene. Like they take mm-hmm. their time setting yeah. all this stuff up. I know, I know. It's uh, it's it's sort of it's sort of a long set. I'm wait. This is just the second scene after Tool Time, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it it ends. Uh, let's see. Uh, it ends roughly nine minutes into the episode. Oh God! I guess you're right. Yeah, this is just a. This is just a. They got a lot of chess pieces to set up for the intricate, yeah. uh, intricate game that is this episode. Yeah. Uh, okay. I I'm going to abstain from a lot of this conversation. I feel like in in season two I would have gotten hot and spicy with my opinions here. Mm-hmm. Uh, not being a parent, I yeah. can't. I can't. I can't give any original opinions, but I will say I side with Jill here. Uh 
yes, I too side with Jill here. I too have no legs to stand on, and I think that generally it's not my place to talk about how people should raise kids. But yeah, having boundaries and limits certainly um, was good for me, and I think it's good for other kids. Um, I understand... Yeah, go ahead. I understand why it's hard for Marty, because I think particularly he's adjusting to being the only parent, and he desperately wants to do whatever he can to make things better for his daughters while they go through this tumultuous and unpleasant time. So, you know, real shit that we're dealing with here. But yeah, mm-hmm. no, this is a very irresponsible thing he's doing, and Jill is right to be upset about it. The only thing I would add is that uh, the episode in the the, the kind of one side versus the other, neither side really makes space to talk to Claire about mm. the the reason behind lashing out. You yeah, know, it's it's I mean, granted, maybe that's conflating it a little too much or, uh, you know, overstuffing it with things. But because um, this episode is entirely just about setting and establishing boundaries uh, and maintaining boundaries. Mm-hmm. So to really get into the nitty gritty of, uh, you know, well, you know, talk to her a little bit, let her express her you know, discontent, if you will, uh, about the divorce and and try to grapple with it. Yeah. H- having space for that, I think that's important, but yeah. is not mentioned yeah. here. I, yeah, I, I, you know, it seems like this episode is really just less focused on the child development and more focused on the, uh, the adult development almost of just like mm-hmm. learning how to resist your kids learning how to love your kids and want everything for them and then simultaneously deny them things because that's what you need to do um well and to that point though i mean this episode yeah is it's really about it's less about claire she's just the instigator uh and it's really about jill you know recognizing what needs to happen and marty not having the time or inclination to want to parent that way so mm-hmm. it's putting Tim in the middle of those two viewpoints, and I think hitting that Jill part a little harder than you know. Wh- what else can we say about that, and, and how she's interacting with Tim in this? Like, what's their dynamic? I mean, it, well, in that, like, like how how Tim how Tim inserts himself into this, or how Tim. Well, more like what Jill is suggesting to Tim in terms of talking to Marty, and and you know, like taking sides and how Tim is approaching the situation. What's Jill's view on Tim's approach to the situation? Well, yeah. I mean, Jill's view is that Tim is making her the bad guy here. Tim is not enforcing any rules with the girls. Tim is actually doing a lot of the same things that Marty does. He is susceptible to being manipulated by the girls. And, uh, you know, yeah, that that Tim is making the same mistakes and that Tim is also excusing Marty's behavior. And even, you know, he's he's saying that Jill's overreacting a bit and she's like, well, when is enough going to be enough? And he's like, well, I'll know the when the mess is big enough that I have to clean it up. Yes, exactly. Kind of what that comes to at the end of the nine minute scene. (laughs) Yes, this is I mean, this is, I think, a little bit from the, the scene ahead, which is, I think, part of the greater nine minute scene where. That the girls want to take, like, Jill is left to go do some psychology, and Tim is watching the girls. They want to ride their, well, Claire wants to ride her bike, but, well, it's too slippery outside to do it. But please, but please, Uncle Tim, please, please, please. He finally winds up letting her ride her bike around inside. Jill comes home to see this and is upset because we don't let the kids ride bikes inside. They, they need a grown-up to be the boys in charge. Do it, right. Yeah. And so, um, they 
you know, Jill tells her, no, you have to stop doing that. It turns into a big, you know, tantrum and fight. And then Marty comes home in the middle of this and picks uh, picks Claire up, who says, Aunt Jill's being mean. She won't let me ride my bike inside. And Marty says to Jill, you can't cut her any slack on her birthday, which is an insane thing to say. I just wild <laughs> to say to, in front of your kid to the woman whose house you're living in for free. Yeah. Um, yeah, but Jill, so Jill tries to make the case to him once he sent the girls upstairs that this is a, this is bad behavioral pattern. You're teaching the girls to do bad shit and, and get right. rewarded for it. Um, but yeah, yeah, like I, the fact that in this conversation, like Tim, it keeps throwing her under the bus and is going like, oh yeah, no, it's, it's fine. Just the girls wanted to ride their bikes and Jill didn't think it was a good idea. You know, like not providing it, him not uh, being a united front with her is reminiscent of a lot of the parenting they did with the boys in earlier seasons where it was constantly Tim undermining her or giving the boys things. I mean, it's it's no yeah. surprise that Tim is in favor of this kind of treatment. Well, yeah, you know, it's a Tim that I haven't seen in a long time um, where he's okay with it because he gets to play, you know, like mm-hmm. he's riding the bike along with them. He's going down the ramp that he put in there. And it is it is reminiscent of like, Oh yeah, we were supposed to go to the opera, but instead we're going to a monster truck rally and you know, we won't tell your mom, just you know, keep the secret between us. You know, that sort of yeah. stuff. Um as long as Tim gets to play, he's okay defending them. Um if Tim has to be responsible, that's a whole other scenario. Um, yeah. It's not it's giving it's not standing in the way of Tim doing something he wants to do. It's allowing him to get in touch with his you know, inner child, which is always at the surface to some degree. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, this is this is the man who spent one afternoon playing with one of these girls and briefly decided that he needed to have a whole right. new baby that, that would crazy. magically be a girl. Yeah, so I don't know. I mean, and I also feel for Jill just... Uh, the feeling of being the only adult in the situation is very stressful, and I don't love it, and I have been there before, <laughs> and I think Jill, honestly, is stays pretty calm given the circumstances. Yeah, I mean, she does express herself vocally pretty, you know, in Marty's face, but Marty's also in her face. But, yeah, you're right. I think it is uh, completely warranted. Um, uh, I, I would lose my mind at this. I mean, like, I... I I've had visitors over during periods where I <laughs> You son of a bitch. <laughs> I I'm sorry, Landon just received the rare Big Dogs t-shirt that I sent him, which is the uh the big dog wearing a pair of mirrored aviator shades and a policeman's hat and uh, reflected in them is a busty woman with large uh well, I mean busty woman says it all. Uh so, uh, yeah, I guess the implication that he both enforces the law of not looking at cleavage, but also has broken that law. That's the big oh, dog Lord. life. Yeah. <laughs> Way to derail my brain. Um, Sorry. I, I've had people staying with me before during a period of intense stress that was different, you know, separated from them visiting. But then having to kind of like set boundaries and, and maintain that while I'm dealing with something else I did not keep myself composed as well as Jill is with a permanent house guest. Like I, I I'm just commending Jill. I, I would not have the composer that she has. I would have lost my shit a long time ago. Like, yeah, this would have been a non-starter for me. <laughs> like, yeah, I think it is time for you to go. 
you know what? I think we've hit that point. <laughs> yeah. The, the, well, Jill has been in training ever since she married Tim. That That's the <laughs> only that's the only thing I can say for it. Yeah. But yeah, Marty. Yeah. You know, when she's criticizing Marty and he's pushing back and, and saying, you know, stay out of my life. Don't mess with my kids. He says, you know what? Clearly you hate having us here. So we're going to go. And Jill is saying, oh, don't do that again. Don't just run off again. Like calling back to the previous episode. I, I, I would be so furious at this point that he's like, okay, dude, if your reaction to every piece of criticism is to pout and pack up your family and move back out, I mean, fuck you for that. Fuck you for trying to put your family through that <laughs> repeatedly. Like, yeah. just stop. <laughs> I, but that that's that's where Jill and I differ, where she calls him on his shit and just says, oh, stop fucking playing that card. I would be like, okay, play that card. But this is the last time you're playing the card because I just don't care anymore. Just g- do it. <laughs> no, I mean, no. I Get out I, of here. <laughs> I would, too. I just would be, uh, yeah, you know, I would also be like, okay, you know what? Clearly this is on your mind. Clearly you're going to threaten to do this again. So I need to just do it now and save us all some time. Yeah, right. Uh, I know. I guess I just don't add the compassion that Jill does. I, you know what? Uh, you know, Jill Jill had a bunch of siblings. Neither of us do. Maybe this has something yeah, to do with it. There you go. There you it go. comes back again week after week. Um. <laughs> Just yeah. a just a quick mention that they go to a commercial break and come back after the fight with Marty and it's Tim and Jill back and arguing. Yeah, and this and this scene of them back and arguing, I really like some of the points that Jill is making where she's like she says to Tim, "I agreed to help you with your brother. You've got to help me out here." And Tim says, "Well, even if I, you know, I I'm not going to help you out if I don't believe what you're doing is right." And Jill goes, "You know what I'm doing is right. You just don't want to take sides." And Tim goes, "Well, that's what makes me such a great peacekeeper." Um <laughs> And that's kind of Tim's whole point. She's saying you're throwing me under the bus. Tim is saying he's just trying to keep the peace, but it's very clearly not working. Right. Or yeah. even what he's doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's also true. Tim is Tim is usually just talking about ice cream or, uh, you know, or tiny toys or whatever right. else he can, he can find to keep his mind off of actual conflict. He's just enjoying um, having kids in the house again. And you know, there, there's something fun to that, which is why I think it... You know, in another set of circumstances, this would be a very hard Tim to to palate. But I don't because he he just wants to play. You know, I, I find it hard to be aggravated with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Playful Tim. We're, we're we we take it. We accept it. Um. <laughs> also, uh, Tim Tim says to her as they're ending this. Yeah, she says that she needs to know that he has her back. And Tim says if. If things get completely out of control, you have my support 110%. And Jill goes, how do you define completely out of control? I'm I'm so glad she said that because in the moment when he said that, I'm like, now wait a minute. Yeah, (laughs) uh, yeah. Room for discussion here. Uh, Jill has Jill has gotten very good at parsing Tim's promises over the years. Uh, and but so, how, how do you how do you define completely out of control? And Tim goes, "I'll know it when I have to clean it up," which is pretty pretty good response from Tim. Uh, uh, should we go to the next scene? Because I I have a very big comment about it. Yes, yes. Let's. It's it's breakfast time. Marty has to get out the door to work, and the girls need to get to school. Uh, and they're trying to eat some breakfast. Yes, and Claire wants the prize in the cereal, so she goes digging through the box of cereal everyone's trying to eat from with her bare hands. Uh, and Jill wanted to eat some cereal and is not comfortable with 
that and Tim and Jill both tell her stop doing that and so instead she dumps the cereal all over the table and Marty then is in such a hurry to get to work and to get the girls to school that he basically says well this is on you guys for not letting her just grab the toy uh we don't have time to clean this up bye and they run out the door um leaving the mess I I I got angry in this episode this scene uh on multiple levels uh I was just this had a, this gave me a physical reaction. <laughs> it was it was like I agree this was bad. I couldn't get mad at it because it was like this is so turned up to eleven of of bad parenting. This is so only a sitcom oh. thing. Yeah, no, no, no. I I I, I take it as like a sitcom beat. There, nothing, yeah. I have no qualms with that. Sure, but I like, know, I know. Yeah, this I'm pointing to this as like. This is a situation that I'm sure is very real to parents, and this is the exact reason I don't want kids. (laughs) I I couldn't, I couldn't deal with that situation. I don't have the capacity, and I know that about myself, and therefore I'm not going to invite that into my life. (laughs) That is the exact that moment. I would create a moment of trauma for that kid to carry for the rest of their life, and I know that I would. I, I yes, I- exactly, exactly the same for me. I this episode in particular, I was thinking a lot. Boy, I'm the the you know kids, man. That's just a whole thing. And I was thinking, are we going to discuss <laughs> it on the episode? Are we not going to lean so hard into how child free we are? But yeah, you know, it's it, God bless parents. God bless anyone who has kids and who deals with this day after day for so many years exhausting my cousin and his wife have a two-year-old who is adorable and brilliant and i love her endlessly and i spend two hours at their house and i'm like oh my fucking god you have to you this just never stops until she's like 18 basically and even then i uh i'm yeah all all of this marty stuff has been low-key stressful for me just thinking about (laughs) yeah what if you had to look after two kids your employment was not secure, your housing was not secure, basically the reality for 60-plus million Americans. Uh, yeah. I mean, and maybe that's something I could work out in therapy, but I know that, like, I have a, a very long wick when it comes to my temper coming out, mm-hmm. but when it comes out, it, it comes out big. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, there, there's no buildup to me telling someone to go fuck themselves it's like i will be silent i'll be quietly brooding 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 go fuck yourself yeah claire go to Uh, your room and go fuck yourself (laughs) (laughs) yeah it wouldn't even be in that order yeah (laughs) i well look i mean she yeah you're right she'd she'd remember that that might get her to stop uh rummaging through the cereal that would also um that would also probably uh, break a lot of other things that would require much more extensive fixing. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, uh, it's the the whole thing is. It also just gives me anxiety on the part of like Brad and Mark, both of whom are like, you know, none of them asked for this, especially, and it's especially right. like they were used to like they're trying to be teens, they want to have their own rooms, and this bullshit is going on. I would be. I would they are they are being saints. They are handling this so well. Maybe this episode is just laying bare how how persnickety both of us are. But these everyone is pulling together and giving the Marty and his daughters so much more leeway than I would. I know that since episode one of Grunt Work and Home Improvement, I have been 
a Mark boy. But in that scenario, I feel especially bad for Mark, whose only defining characteristic on the show has been the youngest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now oh my now God. he's not even that. <gasps> he got middle childed. Oh my God. <laughs> That's pretty rough. That's real like, bad. The middle the middle child finally left. Okay, maybe I can weasel my way back into some sort of, you know, uh position of whatever in this this family. And then he got middle child in. And not just middle childed. He's not he's not usurped by one youngest member of the right. family. He's two, two youngest members who are exactly the same age and thus both get to share <laughs> being the youngest. Yeah. Ah, nuts. Nuts. Poor Mark. Um, yes, poor Mark. Poor one Alas, I knew him. Yeah. I mean, he he would love holding a skull and talking to it <laughs> about uh, about about the past. Um so Marty then has gone to work. Do you, do you have more to say about the serial scene? Uh no. In fact, the the quicker we can get off it, the better off Yeah. Yeah, no. I mean, the serial on podcasts—that's overdone. We're we're past that phase. So, <laughs> Tim goes to work. Well, and by work, I mean he goes to where Marty works. Marty works at a pet supply warehouse. Uh, he used to be uh, stocking kibble and dog food stuff. Now he is uh, testing squeaky toys. Tim goes in, gets directions to where Marty is from one of Marty's surly coworkers. Uh, then, you know, Marty is, uh, goes and helps Marty with testing the squeaky toys while they have an argument about how he needs to do a better job, uh, raising his daughters. In the course of this fight, Marty accuses Tim of, uh, having just been sent here by Jill and saying, you can't accuse me of being manipulated by my daughters when your wife is the one who's manipulating you. And Tim argues in response, screw you, I, your daughters live in my house, I want them to not suck. And the whole time they're having this very terse <laughs> family argument, they are both squeaking the squeaky toys. I love, I think it was last episode you were talking about how this show is good about balancing um, slapstick with emotion. Yes. And to me, this is the perfect example of that. Absolutely. You know, it could. This could be a very overwrought scene, uh, yeah. very easily so. But the fact that in between each dramatic beat, they're squeezing a toy that just has a different <laughs> cadence of of high pitched noise to it is it, really really funny to me. They have different durations of squeaks. They have different yes. pitches of squeaks, <laughs> and they they are so good about the beats of it that. By the time, you know, they're using it as a metaphor for, you know, whatever, being grabbed by the balls by your wife or by whatever. Yeah, or or, Not, your, that's, or, or uh, your wife screeching at you, like right. the, the loud, loud squeaking noise of it. That part not a big fan of but the uh, well, the conceit generally I think is funny. I, I think that also that that part of it the it would be different if they were both engaging in that but it's that Marty is making the point to it, Marty's saying to Tim, "Oh, you're just like you're just letting your wife push you around." And Tim is responding and taking his wife's side and standing up for her in a way that he had not earlier and is saying, "No, I'm here for both of us." Uh, you know, right. I, whatever. Marty's the bad guy in that instance. But no, yeah, I agree. I totally agree. The way the, the this bit with the squeaky toys, it feels like 
something from like an improv like an improv game or like uh or like an <laughs> right. acting class exercise like have this serious conversation but squeak the rubber chicken between every line and it like teaches you something <laughs> about like how not to break or something like that i, I, I but I, what i love about how it's constructed is by the time they're like so deep into the metaphor about balls and dicks uh when Tim sque- finally squeezes one, because it's 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 set up that he is testing squeaking toys, so they yeah. finally get to one where he's trying to make a big point, and he squeezes one that doesn't squeak. That got me really hard. I, I <laughs> was surprised at my reaction to that. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty good to to hear him uh, like to see like oh this is why they actually need. They they actually need testing for these. They're, they actually are making defective uh, defective toys. But it was just a really well constructed like conceit of the you know a game of the scene. Uh, yeah, if you want to use an improv term. No, it is because it's a great it's a great thing to end on. It's like we have to test these things. We are testing them while having a funny con. We're having a serious conversation. We're doing this funny thing, and then yeah, the end is like oh this one's broken. Glad we tested them. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's it's great. Also, when when Tim first comes over and Marty says, "I don't have time to talk to you. I'm at work," and Tim says, "Well, you know, what what about I help you?" and and Marty goes, "You think you can learn this job in a day?" Okay, you just check if the toys squeak and you put them in the box. <laughs> I I love William O'Leary. He's so good. Marty's yes. such a fun character. Honest to God, he is truly the hidden gem of this show. I think. Yeah, uh, he, he's easily the best character actor we have, you know, that we have. Yes, I think so as well. Um, I'm also looking at the picture you've just sent me, I uh, which mm-hmm. is of this dog food uh, factory or whatever that they work in, which is an interesting yeah. concept. I want to open for discussion. Uh, could you describe to viewers or listeners what what is on the right hand side of the screen here as we're introduced to the 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 decor of the scene here? So it's like this this area is like kind of a back room of a pet supply store. So this is not employer this is not customer facing. Uh but this is they have like a dog-shaped thing back here. They've got a it's got a cartoon dog face that is up above it. It's like it's the whole thing is around a pole and then a little down from the face is a uh like plush cylinder with legs dangling off it and a and and the snout of the of the dog is like a coin return or something it's like a mechanical object that has been dressed up to look like a dog how am i doing how's my driving you're doing all right to me what do you call uh in gymnastics the the bar you know the not the bars i guess the the, the pommel horse yeah the gym pommel horse yeah Yeah, pommel horse it kind of has that vibe to me i wanted to i sent this to you just to open up for discussion, what is it? Do what? Is, what is it for? Why? I, why does this thing exist? Well, I'm sure. I'm sure it asks these things every uh, every night as it uh, suffers. Why in a liminal have you brought state. me into existence? Uh, I don't know. It looks like the snout thing of it is like opens and shuts, perhaps, or maybe is it just painted to look like a snout? It it looks like. I don't. It looks like street art almost. <laughs> it does. I had one thought. Mm-hmm. It's a little. Uh, it's a little base. I'll. I'll admit. Oh, okay. You, and, and there's is nothing. It, is it, there's it, nothing to indicate this. 
It, it, I cannot be more base than any of the Big Dogs t-shirts that I've been scrolling through. As we've been it's recording. on par with that. Okay. Uh, but I wonder, because it's it's the, the pommel horse of it makes this cartoon dog have three dimensions that are roughly equivalent to a mid-sized dog. Yeah. I wonder if it's a training post to not let not have dogs hump each other <laughs> wait what like wait you mean like they have other dogs come in like here make it look thing? like a dog so that it's tempting for your dog to go hump and then you train it to not hump the dog <laughs> then why do, why would it need a cartoon dog face then <laughs> to, to make it more seductive so you're saying you've got some kind of weeb <laughs> dog that's into hentai or like or 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 your your dog watched robin hood and got the wrong idea i i i mean wait 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 i mean dog culture yeah they are furries do they fantasize about being what i don't even know what the term would be human humies being fleshies yeah i think i think i yes i think dog fleshies do have intricate flesh sonas when you take when you take your dog to the kennel and you look on like the pet cam and the dogs are all running around there being crazy they are that is that is the equivalent of of when a bunch of furries go and book out a hotel and have a convention there i mean it's that those you can't tell, but the dogs are pretending to be humans, and they're all running around going like, oh, "I didn't get enough sleep last night." Oh man, you want to get Starbucks after work? Taxes, right? <laughs> so we didn't I'll, arrive at an answer for what this thing is, but I think we went somewhere. <laughs> I'm look, content was created. Yes, I have no idea what this thing is for. I I have to. I'm. I kind of regret that you, your first assumption was that it had to do with sex, but I guess I can't think of anything better. So, I, yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I maybe it's back here for cleaning. God, I hope it's here for cleaning. Oh well, it will need cleaning for sure. Um, uh, let's go to so sort of, so do our listeners now too. Okay, uh, how do how do Tim and Marty wrap this up? I mean they. I, the, Tim and Marty just, they, they come to sort of an impasse, like Marty does not want to hear Tim out about any of this and insists that I'm raising my daughters just fine, they're going through a lot right now, you know, we're getting a, you know, we're getting a divorce and this is hard for them. So, w- what this takes us to though is Tim going out back to talk to Wilson about his problems. That's right. And, and Wilson asks Tim how he's tried to explain the situation to Marty, and Tim goes, well, yeah, I told him that he's doing everything wrong, and he needs to change. And Wilson says, well, you know, in my in my experience, instead of sharing my wisdom, sometimes I try to just give people the benefit of my experience. And he recommends that uh, Tim show Marty how his parenting has worked out better and created better boys. So it's like, lead by example, Tim. That's... Uh, indeed he does. Um, yeah. Do we want to just I, go to how he does? Do you have anything to say about Wilson at all? Do you have no thoughts about I Wilson's do. advice? No. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll tell you what. Are you I looking was a little at the dog distracted. Again? I was a little distracted because I was going to talk about his face masks. You know, he comes out and Tim says, "What are you getting ready to rob a rob a bank?" Because he has a big face mask on. Uh, mm-hmm. He's testing out his winter clothes uh, for, I guess, a camping trip he's about to go on. Um, yeah. And so then he pulls off the face mask and he's got um, another, you know, kind of lower half face mask. (laughs) What I had to do was 
go, I got to I gotta get the right term for this before I say it on air. It's not a baklava, because that's a pastry. <laughs> okay, yeah, no, I had the same problem. Balaclava? <laughs> balaclava is um, kind of what it, I mean, it's a lower face balaclava. Well, a, a balaclava is when you uh, you take that like uh, kind of hippie herbal drink and uh, well, actually wait no cava's uh, Spanish champagne. That's when you get that in a, and you pour it into an orb shaped glass. Um, Garth Barks. Not not laughing at the not laughing at the joke I made. Laughing at the big dog T shirt that I sent. Guy, okay, listen, everybody listening to the podcast, get on the text chain with Landon and I. All of you, just open that up on your phone right now and just look at the. Series of big dog shirts and home improvement screenshots we've got going here. It's great. The thing I'm gonna I'm gonna post <laughs> with no context, just the big dog images on our Instagram. <laughs> can, can that just become what our podcast is now? Is reviewing big dog shirts and talking about them? Because I feel like this is a very rich goldmine of '90s culture that is the exact <laughs> same wavelength as home yeah. improvement. Yeah. So. I, as far as this Wilson scene goes, I mean, it's yeah. pretty, I don't know. Uh, I feel like they, they have kind of run the Wilson well dry at this point. You know, a lot wow. of the, the advice he's giving is, I mean, it's it's not bad advice, but it's pretty simple advice. Yeah. Hey, Tim, maybe show don't tell. <laughs> yeah. Well, neighbor, have you ever considered living, laughing, and then loving? <laughs> uh, maybe eat, pray, and love. You know, in my time on this earth, neighbor, I found that the thing that helps most is to make a list of things that we do in this house. Um, yeah, I, 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 you know, yeah, nothing he says here is particularly revelatory. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I guess I'm just impressed that the Wilson well didn't dry out before about halfway through the final season of the show. That's pretty good. They, they yeah. got a lot of blood out of that stone. I know I'm mixing my metaphors now. <laughs> Uh, we go back inside where Marty and Tim are having a chat, uh, over Lego city. Uh, well, no, it's not, it doesn't just start with a Lego city. So Marty and Claire are arguing it for, I'm sorry. That was such a, such a rude thing to say. I apologize. God, Marty and Claire are arguing over a cookie and, oh uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I missed that scene. Shouting back and forth. That's what, that's what I meant. I wasn't trying to slam on your knowledge of the scene, but Marty and Claire, they're having... They're having this shouting match over a cookie. Claire wants it, and Marty won't give it to her before dinner. Claire says she hates Marty and runs upstairs screaming that she wants to go back and live with Mom. And Tim comes home as Marty is dealing with all this. And, you know, Claire runs upstairs, and we just hear her screaming and hollering and wailing from off screen. And Marty says, oh, okay, screw it. I'm going to go give her the cookie. And he pulls the cookie out of the jar and goes to go over there. And Tim says, wait, 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 no, 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 Marty. I got I got an idea. Here, here, let me show you something. Here. Uh, split that cookie in half, and he breaks it in half. Okay, now put one half in your mouth. And Marty puts one half in his mouth, and Tim goes, no, give the other half to me. And then he tells Marty, look, just don't, just forget about it. Let's just eat these cookies and build a bait and tackle shop out of Legos. <laughs> and so, they, yeah, they go and play with Legos together while he explains the importance of just waiting this shit out. Which I would not have the patience to do. I mean, I this think is that- This is what I would do in this situation. <laughs> Again, I know this about myself. This is why I don't have kids. So, yes, this is going to sound shitty, but guess what? I'm not going to actually do it because I'm not going to have kids. Yeah. In this situation, I would leave the house. (laughs) Yeah. I would leave children home alone because I couldn't stand listening to that sound. 
You know, I, I hope we don't have any like terminally ill listeners with young children who have it in their in their you know uh, next of kin documents uh, d- established you as a guardian. Like the host of my favorite home improvement <laughs> podcast can care for little Jenny. She's about to turn five. Ah! Uh, because <laughs> even the people closest to me who have had kids have all realized, yeah, he's not Godfather material. <laughs> my my cousin with the two-year-old, I was over there uh, with my girlfriend, I don't know, a couple weeks ago, and we were, you know, my cousin and his wife were making dinner. My girlfriend and I were sort of, you know, keeping an eye on on their daughter in the in, in her little bedroom, and she was playing around on something and she like fell down and kind of hit her arm against the side of the bed and she starts you know crying and crying and Kirsty and I are both saying like just kind of standing there watching her going like no it's it's okay you're good you're good and her dad comes in and kind of like pushes past us and like picks up the child and comforts her and we're just both looking at each other like yeah okay we don't have any parental instincts at all yeah she didn't need she didn't need sort of like uh, just moral support and me lightly patting her on the arm. She probably wanted to be cuddled. I guess that's what you do with a two-year-old. Um, so I'm just saying, I understand. I also, um, you know, uh, I, yeah, I, I, th- this scene was aggressively stressful for me. Just hearing a child screaming and delaminating. Yes. It's, it's night like even and even though it is satisfying to hear a child do that and know well not my problem i can just leave this area it still was upsetting for me thinking about marty who i like being trapped in this hell yeah. um but you know i but then it also it made me feel good about tim just being like hey dude eat a cookie and play with legos you got to just wait it out which that was you know <laughs> that was good brothering yeah no i agree um i have a question for you though yeah did the screaming sound a little interesting to you uh sounded like screaming sounded like it was coming from off camera uh no it didn't it did not sound interesting i was uninterested why did it did it sound like suddenly claire had a little more articulation in uh her speech uh maybe a, a wider range of emotion in how she was expressing herself uh, perhaps so i mean i guess yeah I, I guess a little bit yeah why what, what are you trying to tell me is it a different girl uh, it was a, a full-blown actress, uh, a oh. voice actor, doing the off-camera screaming. Wow, that's a job. That is a that is how you get into SAG is getting hired to do off-screen dialogue of a toddler having a tantrum. <laughs> well, I, we'll get into her in character actor corner, but she's a full-blown like voice actor. Uh, that does damn. Stuff, so wow, yeah, okay. Well, she did some stuff here. I tell you what. Um, <laughs> should we go to our singer? Uh, well, so I mean, yeah, like it's not quite to the stinger yet because, like the okay. the like we advance by about an hour. The bait and tackle shop made out of Legos has progressed. Jill has come home at some point, heard all the screaming, oh, yeah, and yeah. joined them for cookies in building. And the scream con- screaming continues, and they just kind of you know, or the the adults are all sitting there talking through it, and then finally it stops, and. Marty's about to go upstairs and Tim says wait don't it might be a trap but then Claire comes down and sheepishly politely asks uh, if she can have a sandwich since she uh, missed dinner and Marty gets up to make her one yeah so I guess that's parenting just ignore your kid for an hour and then it's fixed again I I I would be too petty I would say make yourself a damn sandwich 
<laughs> I would I, be a bad parent. I know this about myself, okay? Yeah, no, I I would too. I would too. I mean, I think my thing is I would uh, I would make the sandwich, but I would just seethe internally about why aren't you making your own damn sandwich, which is a ridiculous <laughs> thing. It's a ridiculous thing to expect a child of that age to no, obviously, neither of us should are at all cut out for parenthood. I can barely even be an adequate first cousin once removed to my uh <laughs> to my cousin and his wife's child. So, mm. uh yeah, it's it, yeah, I'm, I'm Marty's a good dad. Good for him. I'm getting yeah. better all the time. Yeah, he's going through a, a hard, hard stretch as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, we go to our singer. The bait and tackle shop has turned into a full blown dick castle. Um, I, <laughs> dick Castle is uh, one of my favorite TV lawyers. <laughs> uh, and Tim and Jill, I'm gonna, you know what, Truman. Sit back. Yeah. I got the synopsis for this one scene. Okay, very good. Uh, Jill is reclining on the couch. You know, we, we saw it before. She was excited. She This new couch of hers, all she wanted to do is just recline on it. She's finally mm-hmm. getting to. Yeah. Uh, Tim is, uh, they're kind of reflecting on what Marty's going through. And Tim says, you know, aren't you glad that uh, our kids are out of that stage now? And mm-hmm. uh, that cues Brad to walk in saying, how much he hates living with Mark and living down in the pit of the basement and how much has thrown his life out of whack and he hates this whole family and he wishes he didn't live here anymore and he storms out the front door. Yep. Well, at least he's Pretty funny. Trained. I like that. Yeah, you know, it's, yeah, it's a good bit. You know, I mean, I guess I was just talking about how Brad and Mark are handling this really well. I guess it, it, it you know, <laughs> it only makes sense that there would be outbursts like this along the road. Yeah. But, you know, what I like about it is, you know, Zachary Ty Bryan knows... I hate this term. <laughs> he knew the assignment. Like he's oh, playing he it for laughs here. Yeah, no, no. He 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 truly did. And it's like yeah, I, I'm even though as sad as I am about the loss of of Jonathan Taylor Thomas, like and by that I mainly mean the fact that we're never going to see him again after last episode. I I am really celebrating how much uh Zachary Ty Bryan has come into his own. I mean, it's been for a few yeah. seasons now that he's been really good, but like this season he kind of gets to be the star of the boys, which you know, they gave him something meaty to work with here. Poor Mark. Poor Mark. I know. I know. Middle childed, uh, middle actored. We go to the outtakes. Outtakes really made me laugh, too. It just was like, I, I don't know how you can even do this scene with the squeaky toys. And uh, they do it. You know, some don't squeak as much. Some squeak a little too much. The one that really got me was they're talking and Tim, like, does his, you know, makes his final point and does this really long squeeze on it. And then, mm-hmm. like, squeaky toys do sometimes just has that deflate squeeze that he didn't expect. Yeah, like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh that just goes on and on and on while he's trying to deliver the lines. <laughs> I don't know, squeaky toys make me laugh. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's good. We've all found we've all found Landon's uh Landon's uh, comedy touchstone. It's things that squeak. <laughs> oh my god. That's why that's why um, he loved the Alvin and the Chipmunks movie, uh, The Squeak Wool. It was so good. It's a, it's built on an excellent comedic concept. Oh my lord. Um we get the logos and we are out. We are out. We are out of the house. Like when there is a child in it having an emotional moment, we are gone. We covered this episode really quickly, but Truman, we have one, two, three, four, five character actors to cover. So are you ready? <sighs> okay. Uh, yeah, I I am. I am uh, dusting myself with uh, with 
powder, you know, the way that like sumo wrestlers do before they go into oh. battle. And um, <laughs> not because you have some sort of uh, chafing issue. I well, I mean, I do, but that's not what this powder is for. There's oh, okay. a lot of different powders. <laughs> okay, wait, uh, is yeah, this going look- on your your hands, your groin, or your nose? I'll never tell. Remember that one, folks. Remember that little <laughs> little chestnut. Uh, that really hit you somewhere uncomfortable when I did that. I it, it did, it did, and now I and now I have to mirror that uh, that treatment back to you. These are the these are the same sort of issues you would pass on to a child, Landon. Um, okay, but uh, yeah, don't consider that any longer than you have to. Instead, uh, let's talk about some character actors. All right, what do you say we start with the three contestants on the um, uh, pick your contractor game? Yeah, let's do that. The contracting game, as they call it. Uh, let's start with contestant number three, uh, Mr. Damaera. Mm. He is, um, just like we had a couple episodes ago with uh, Al's agent or manager, uh, this is a stand-up comedy mainstay. I mean, mm. to the point where he was still doing stand-up. I, I've met Dom many, many times oh. at the comedy oh, store wow. when I was doing stand-up out in L.A. So, jeez. Um, yeah, he he is he's been around forever, still doing stand up, still killing it. Um well, and this is which one back, this is this is contractor number one or contractor number, number three. Number three. He's gotcha, yes. uh the the one who's really sucking eager up. to to get the job. Yeah. Yeah, the one who's right. underbidding the other contractors, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, right. Uh I guess we didn't talk about the conceit or how how that like uh uh played out, but um it was yeah. funny. Yeah. Too late, you'll never know. <laughs> The show's on Hulu again. Whatever. Go look. He was on two episodes of The Golden Girls, mm-hmm. uh, playing the produce clerk and the waiter. Um, two different ep- – uh, the, the Gary it's, – it's Gary Shandling's show, mm-hmm. um, which I've always wanted to watch, but I can't find it anywhere. It's an old Showtime show. Yeah. Um, Dream On, which you've mentioned, the HBO show. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. He was in an episode of Seinfeld, oh. uh, episode of Louis, uh, Lois and Clark, The Adventures of New Superman, The New Adventures okay. of Superman. Oh, good. Not those um, old ones. <laughs> TV. Uh, you might remember him as Tony, the chauffeur in The Big Lebowski. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got, I got a rash on my ass so big I can't even <laughs> sit down. Hey, <laughs> Hey, life goes on, right? Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. Damn, I do remember him as the chauffeur driver. You are very good at knowing who I'm going to remember. <laughs> um, so y- you expect him to pop up in other stand-up comedian shows. We already talked about Seinfeld. He pops up in King of Queens. Everybody loves Raymond. Um, Drew Carey show. Uh, he has a total of sixty acting credits. One upcoming. Um. Was he on ER? I'm going to say no, he was not on ER. You are correct. Damaera never appeared on ER. It, it, it didn't seem like, it doesn't seem like the sort of place we're going to cast a stand-up. No, no disrespect to stand-ups. It's just like, hey, what's the deal with having cancer? No, no, not, <laughs> where, not where what was they he, want Where did ER. ER take place? Was that New York? It's Chicago. Chicago. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Is it? Contestant number two, uh, one who really gets a short shrift, I feel like. Uh, like He gets asked a question, someone interrupts him in the middle of his question, he doesn't get to finish it, and that's like all he gets to say. Yeah, it's a uh, living. Joel Stauffer, 
has 53 credits, including Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., hmm. Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Oh. Goes all the way back to ooh, uh, a direct-to-video movie from 1992 called Death Ring. Ooh. I want to I check that out. One of my least that's favorite types of material. ring. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. A guy uh, starring a guy named Chuck uh, Mike Norris. Sorry. Oh, uh, Mike Norris. Mike, Mike. <laughs> he was trading off of people making that mistake. Let me tell you. Oh, this must be Chuck Norris who's willing to do the whole movie for three hundred dollars. I'm sure it's just a typo on here. <laughs> Let me read these to you. There's Mike Norris, Billy Drago, Chad McQueen, and Don Swayze. I, I uh, are you sure these aren't? Are, are these not like porn actors who are trying to like <laughs> have sound alike names? I don't know. It could be. It's either that or it's for the that Japanese uh, NES baseball game from the 80s where some designer tried to come up with a bunch of American names for the American teams. And it's all like right. Sleeve McDykel, Dwick Torchigal. <laughs> all right. Death Ring. When ex-Special Forces agent Matt Collins wins a survivalist competition, he becomes, quote, the toughest man alive. Perfect fodder for your perverse millionaire Danton Vox, whose annual manhunt attracts the most vicious killers in the world. I want to see that movie. Is Danton Vox a dumber name than the names of some of the actors in the movie? That's the question. <laughs> Is Danton Vox a dumber name than Elon Musk? I, I, it's they go head to head. Uh, between Death Ring, um. And the next one I want to mention, he did star in an episode of NYPD Blue, um, mm. but then went on to star in Kick of Death. Nice. <laughs> nice. That's a great title. Um, and I'm going to read the description of this one as well. Uh, these are just like these really tacky direct-to-video erotic action films. Nice. Um, <laughs> nice. Action, the most erotic of genres. Yeah. Shane McQuaid is a rising star in Hong Kong's underworld kickboxing rings until yes. he wins a fight he was supposed to lose. Framed for murder, running from both the triad mob and the police, Shane escapes to America. There, a chance encounter with a professional hitman in the Nevada desert ends with <laughs> Shane taking the man's identity and his life. Shane finds that the violent world he left behind in Hong Kong is too strong to escape. A crooked Las Vegas fight promoter and a stripper named Angelique draw him into a web of sex and murder that will test his martial arts skills to their limit and change his life forever. <laughs> you know, it's a shame that so often when people get pulled into a web of sex, it is also a web of murder. I, I mean, pull me into a web of sex, <laughs> fine, great, I can handle that. But then why is murder always in the same web? Yeah. So do you think webs. it's the sex or the murder that's changing his life? I mean, I mean, he. It seems like he's already killed one person, or at least a couple people. So maybe it's the sex. Maybe you know what? Maybe he's okay. found someone who he just really clicks with. Good for him. Perfect. Got some Doctor Laura going. <laughs> um, he starred in an episode of Sliders, Walker, Texas Stranger, um, CSI, uh, Judging Amy. My God, why did they think it was be a good idea to call the show Sliders? Like nothing. <laughs> 
even I know that tiny hamburgers were not popular then, but just like right. even without outside that context, it just something's sliding. It never it doesn't sound like exciting. It sounds like uh, something either gross has happened and needs to be cleaned up or like an accident is happening. I don't to, know. I, to that point, uh, this is a tangent I realize, but to that point, I hate the term squeaker. <laughs> Especially when it's when it it's in a electoral electoral race, like mm-hmm. he won by a squeaker. Yeah, you didn't like hearing that Governor Evers uh, was elected uh, governor of Wisconsin by a squeaker. The, you no, know, like, I didn't. That, that 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 it wasn't that didn't make you happy. <laughs> for, yeah, for multiple reasons. No, I didn't. I I always think of a squeak like I hear squeaker and I always think that sounds like you're a, like a colloquial name for a type of fart. You know, like that, yes. that's. Like there was, there the vote was down to one. You know, they were they were tied, and then one person voted, and then the other person was gonna vote, but he had to go outside to fart, and then the polls closed, and like that's how you won in a squeaker. I don't know. Oh, okay. One last one. Joel Stoffer, uh, his last, uh, most recent credit is three episodes on Stranger Things as Wayne Munson. Oh, damn. That's yeah, Eddie Munson. That's okay. That's kind of a big. Uh, that, wow, that's a big get for this guy who got kind of skunked on all his lines on this home improvement episode in the late nineties. Good for him. Yeah, good for him. The question is, was he on an episode of ER? I'm gonna say yes, he was. Looking through his credits, I am unfortunately not seeing an episode of ER. E- Sorry, bro. Yeah, they they tripped me up with NYPD Blue. <clears throat> All right, well, look, on to the next. On, on to, to the, the next. next. We are talking about contestant number three, Darnell Suttles. Darnell he Suttles. has 39 credits, including, wow, 90s. Uh, he stars in Volcano. Oh, volcano! Congo. With t- oh, oh, Space Jam, <laughs> Space Jamo, please. <laughs> uh, his earliest credit goes back to Dead and Alive. Uh, looks like a TV movie. Um, Milk Money with uh, Ed Harris and oh, Melanie Griffith. Oh no, not Milk Money with Ed Harris <laughs> and Melanie Griffith. Not that. <laughs> yes, that. Uh, the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Uh, NYPD Blue. He was on an episode of Roseanne, Melrose Place. Melroseanne. Chicago Hope. Okay. Uh, he was on an episode of CSI, Becker, um, Strong Medicine, uh, Patricia Richardson's later show. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to see nothing I recognize of late, but you know I don't know a lot of recent TV shows, so... Oh, My Name is Earl uh, oh. in 2007. Oh, yeah. I watched My Name is Earl for a while. Um... Not was a, he on an episode of ER? Yeah, I'm gonna again say yes. He was on ER. That NYPD Blue connection. Lemoyne <sighs> in 2006 Hell for yeah. two episodes. Oh, uh, two episodes. He was on an episode of ER. Nice. Love to see it. All right. <laughs> we got one more. We got two more. Oh boy, two <laughs> more. This one keeps keeps on going. I'm sorry that Oasis was just a mirage. <laughs> The he's credited as desk clerk, though we never see a desk. This is the coworker of Marty, who's always being passed up for the job of toy squeaker tester. Uh, yes, a funny bit that we didn't really super go into, but yeah, no. I mean that basically explains it. The guy's just upset that Marty got promoted to testing dog toys that fast. Yeah, and then when Tim is squeaking the toys and he comes up upon him, he's like, "Oh, now you get there too." Yeah, <laughs> it was good. Um, 
Richard Wilgrubs. Wilgrubs. 11 credits. Uh, he plays Aflac executive in Along Came Polly. Oh, okay. I didn't, an... <laughs> I didn't realize there was an Aflac uh, product placement in Along Came Polly. <laughs> Uh yeah, it's all about he's a risk assessment for an insurance company, uh, and, Ben Stiller's. Wow. Okay. Well, good. Good for that duck. Yes, he played Lynn Taylor in Mad Men. Oh, uh, in one episode, one episode of According to Jim, hmm. an episode of the Drew Carey Show, hmm. was hmm. Richard Wilgrubs on an episode of ER. Gonna say no. He played technician Dicks. on an episode of Alias, but was not oh. on ER. Okay, you, you, you do that from time to time, and uh, <laughs> I, I have not yet started to enjoy it, but okay. Uh, <laughs> good for, good um, okay. for him, though. Good for him. Happy. And Mad Men and Alias, he got the two brightest lights of, of uh, TV. Finally, we have playing Claire's voice, Screaming. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, the real MVP. Kath Susie, S O U C I E, Chairman, mark the the dashboard. Put a put a tick on the what, calendar. Wait, wait, wait okay, oh, okay, yeah, uh, uh, okay, doing that. Beep boop. All right, what? Yeah, we have our most prolific actor to grace the show. Oh, with. 465 credits. Oh man. Oh man. Take <laughs> take that. Take that uh uh wait. James Hong? Take that James Hong from Chinatown. Richard really? Well, I mainly meant take that James Hong. I mean, the other guy I know also was prolific. How James Hong has like what? Like 395 or something. This one just edged him out. This uh I I don't I don't know his uh, offhand, but it's a lot. Um Wow, Actually, we should check that just to make yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that. If we're right gonna now. claim a winner, we want to know the the right answer. Yeah, I, I'm looking right now. Tell me more about uh, about this lady. Okay, you do that while I do that. Uh, she played Cubert Farnsworth, oh. uh, among other actor, uh, other characters on Futurama. Okay. Uh, she played Lil Phil and Lil Deville on Rugrats, wow. among other characters. Damn. Uh, she played young Nick on in the movie Zootopia. Mm-hmm. Uh, 113 episodes of Captain Planet, playing Whoa. Linka, among other characters. <laughs> um, she did a voice uh, of Jack in Star Wars: The Bad Batch recently. Damn. Uh, she looks like she bounces around to both TV, movies, and video games. Uh, she was in Fallout 76. Oh, I didn't play that one, but good for her. Uh, Elder Scrolls, uh, mm. the Full Throttle remaster. Okay. Lots of Curious George, uh, Veggie Tales, um, Starcraft Two, World of Warcraft, nice. Star Wars: A Clone Wars. Uh, my goodness, I can't even begin. Let's go. I'm gonna scroll all the way down to the bottom. What was her very first role? Her very first role was in 1979, uh, playing Becca. Uh, not a voice but on screen as um, The Incredible Journey of Dr. Meg Laurel. Wow, Meg Laurel. <laughs> like like Laurel and Hardy. I guess so. Um, then she jumps into voice acting in 1983 with Elvin and the Chickmunks. Chickmunks. Uh, goes into My Neighbor Totoro in 1988, uh, doing the English version, Kiki's Delivery Service. So she had a wow. run of... Um, 
rid of those. I I mean, I could I could do this for hours. And and <laughs> and you you probably shouldn't. She's quite prolific. So what was her number of credits her total? Four hundred and sixty uh five. Okay, James Hong is four hundred and fifty one. So they are neck wow. and neck. <laughs> oh wow. And but yeah. she has no upcoming credits. Uh you know, James Hong is on 10 episodes of Gremlins, The Secrets of the Mogwai, which came out last year. He has nothing else upcoming. He's also 93 years old. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, that's, uh, that's, that's quite a career, and I'm impressed that they hired such a storied uh, voice actor just to uh, cover for that one, uh, <laughs> that one screaming scene. Yeah, I'm trying to see what she was doing right at this time to see where in her career it kind of falls. Um, was this 98? Uh, so she had just done 22 episodes of Zorro, the TV series. Wow. And would go on to do, uh, Oh, this is right before the Rugrats movie. Oh, this is the same year as the Rugrats movie. And right before the Rugrats movie, the video game. Mm, mm-hmm. Okay, great. That beautiful, was that so, beautiful time. <laughs> We all You're right. I mean, we this were. is a a pretty big voice actor at the time. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Well, I mean, she crushed it. She crushed it in those scenes. I'm gonna say she wasn't yep. on ER though. <laughs> I, I don't know if my find button is actually working for this, so it's saying she's not. But um, if you want to sift through all 465 credits to correct me on that, uh. Anybody is welcome to do so. Maybe she did a voice on ER Babies or something. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, so that is Kath Susie. Thanks for playing the ER game in the character actor corner. That's it for that. Truman. Landon. If you can remember back to the episode that we covered. <laughs> uh, no, all I remember are character actors. That's what we've always <laughs> been doing. <laughs> At the end what of this, we learned this week. At the end of this show, we're going to get absorbed into the IMDb character actor section, like at the end of The Shining. It's just going to be a picture of all these character <laughs> actors from like the twenties and us right in the middle. I, you know what? I would love to be in a picture like that. Just you and me right in the front, and just a sea of character actors behind us. I, you got Richard Jenkins. <laughs> you've oh got your William H Macy. Oh. You got your Margot Martindale. I, I would I look being in that photo, yes, posing for that photo and getting to meet all those people would delight. Just just wonderful. James Hong chilling in the back, recording yes. recording, you know, ten more voice acting parts just that day. Um Okay, what did I learn though? Yeah, what did you learn this week? I learned that you don't negotiate with terrorists. You know, your kids throwing a fit, your kids being a dick, you don't you don't give them what they want. You gotta mm-hmm. not do that. You know, again, yep. I'm not yep. trying to give you parenting advice. I'm just saying that's that's you shouldn't shouldn't negotiate <laughs> with your kids. You got to be be the boss. That show who's yep. the boss. There should never be a question. What did you learn this week? Uh, I learned that at some point in life, you make decisions, and based on the information you have, even though you can't a hundred percent know the outcome, but then be justified later on in realizing that even though you haven't lived through the outcome, the evidence that you have on hand proves that yes you are right to never have kids okay okay that's good again if you choose that if you want to have kids yeah by all means do it you'll be great at it even if you're bad at it you'll be better than either one of us that brings us to the final segment of the show let's see how well i've done since last week yeah oh yeah yeah we had a little little clinic last week <laughs> okay 
that's good. You hung, you hung out a little too long at the end there. You went, ah! a little too much, but it's... But, but what, so... about, what about the pitch of it? I, I was trying to push it a little higher. Maybe yeah, no, I'm and pushing that... more just to get there, and then I can bring it back later. Yeah, yeah. No, no. The pitch of it is great. You you landed it on the pitch. It's just it's just it needs to be scaled back a little bit on the end. But it's okay. It's, okay. Yeah. You are you are way you are way more on target than before. How many grunts were in this episode? And my guess once again is going to be zero. And your guess once again is going to be correct. Nary a grunt in sight or within earshot. Everyone's. Too busy screaming and having tantrums to grunt about anything. Here's a question for you. Go. The grunt is, at least from the beginning of the series, supposed to represent the inner primitive man. Yeah, the Iron John, yeah. Now that there are girls in the house, what does the inner primitive woman sound like? Do not ask me to answer that. I'm not going to speculate about it. That's not my place. <laughs> Nor should you. Ding, 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 ding. Yes, thank you. Okay. Very you good. won the Tulipa Challenge. <laughs> Truman Caps, smartest man ever to live. Um, yeah, no, no idea. No idea. That Not my place. That's some other podcast that you should probably be listening to instead of this one. <laughs> or not. <laughs> Well, okay, it's it's either it's either a pod it's other, another podcast hosted by dudes who are going to try and take a guess at that and you should not be listening to that or it's a podcast hosted by women which you probably should be listening to. Oh, there you go. Uh, yeah. 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 Um no, that's what I that's what I learned. That's what you learned. That the the greatest lesson of all is with the one we just learned. <laughs> the how many grunts were in the episode? Uh, no, no, the the one about the one about trying to stay in your lane. Yeah. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode, and grunt work is made possible by our patrons. If you enjoyed today's episode and want to help us create the show, consider becoming an official Grunthead sponsor over at patreon.com slash gruntworkpod. Leave us a rating review wherever you listen to podcasts. It's the easiest, fastest way to support us, and it goes a long way to help others find the show. Stop by to say hi to us on Instagram at gruntworkpod or visit our website at www.gruntworkpodcast.com. And until next week when we bring you episode 13 of season 8, We've passed the halfway mark. I've been Landon Solano. I've been Truman Caps. And if you can't run with the big dogs, stay on the porch. (laughs) 